Romans uh, 13, 1 to 7 says this, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honour to whom honour. I've used the term unforced rhythms of grace for this series because we're not under law but under grace and I've started this message with Romans 13 because the scriptures do their work as we hear them or read them they do not read we do not read them they read us they pierce asunder to the dividing of joint and marrow flesh and spirit they divide they disturb they upset they confront we are led by the Holy Spirit into all truth, not by the letter of the law. And as Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light, this isn't a struggle, provided we are submitted to his lordship, because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But this freedom does not set aside God's commandments. Don't use your liberty as an occasion to sin, Paul says in another place. But God writes his commands on our hearts by the gentle but firm insistence of the Holy Spirit. The law proved we couldn't do it. I wouldn't have known what it was to lust, Paul says, unless the law had stirred it up in me. In other words, unless it's prevented, I'm not going to be going after it. We're incapable of keeping his commandments in our natural self. The law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. And without his imputed and imparted righteousness, we can never reach the standard we need to reach. That's why he gives us grace. Isn't that just the kindness of God? He always gives us what we need to do what he asks. So he gives us his righteousness and his grace, enabling us to do just what he asks. Righteousness imputed, then imparted. And the wonderful, amazing grace, the power of God to change enabling us to be sanctified by walking in agreement with him. So Romans 13 tells us to obey the governing authorities because there is no authority except it's been put there by God. By his grace then we can be at peace, knowing he is in complete control of all things and is bringing his purposes to fruition. That single fact saves so much opinion and argument we rest in him. But again, regrettably, this is an area that often causes Christians to disagree vociferously with each other and stumble frequently. 
But Peter repeats the same thing in 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. I won't read it to you. You can go and read it for yourself. The scripture tells us to obey people we didn't vote for, don't agree with and don't particularly like. That can't be right, we say. And it's here that respect for the person and the position come into play. As we submit our ideas to the Spirit of God, whose ways you keep in mind now and remember are higher than ours, and whose thoughts are the same, they are higher than ours. And again, Romans comes to our rescue, chapter eight, fourteen. As many as are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And Paul's not talking about gifting here, but about moment-by-moment dependence on the indwelling guidance of the Holy Spirit. We covered this, if you remember, in the last series, The School of the Spirit. Our dependence on him should have led us to ask who we should vote for if it's a question of politics. So when they come into power, we know of a certainty they're placed there by God's divine fiat, whether we agree with them or not, it's absolutely immaterial. That in itself brings us to a place of peace, no matter what our personal opinion may be. When the Gospels and the Epistles were written, the land of Israel was under occupation and it was much worse than it is for us today. The Jews were in the fifth cycle of God's discipline, yet Paul says, obey these despots, these oppressors, submit to their demands. So if you are rebelling against those who are in authority over you today, the governing authorities, the scripture shows that you're in rebellion to God because it's he who placed them there. It's not a good place to be on the wrong side of God. The truth, as I've said before, is usually negative when it first comes. We react violently because of our fallen nature. We're in perilous times, beloved. God is calling us back to our roots. And before he returns, there will be a great harvest of souls. Right now, he's reviving us in preparation for the task ahead. Many things are not coming out the way we think they should. But God is working out his divine purpose to have a bride fit for his son.